Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and I am back. And I apologize again for the inconsistent posting. Uh, my life has been very chaotic um, the past few months or so. But uh, going forward, I would like to get back to consistently posting an episode every week. But I apologize for not having been able to do that recently. And I appreciate your patience with me. Okay, so with that being said, um, this episode doesn't really have a particular topic. Um, there's going to be kind of several things that I am going to address. So I went on just various Facebook groups and Reddit and a few other places and just kind of looked to see what I could find as far as questions for beginners. Um, beginners in witchcraft, that is. And... I will, of course, address those questions as best I can. Um, also, though, I am going to kind of speak on some things that um, that came up as I was doing this research as well. So one of the first questions that we're going to talk about, um, and this isn't really a specific question as much as like, I guess, kind of a category of questions, but it's kind of, I'm brand new, where do I start? Or something like that or like what book do I read or am I allowed to do this or whatever it is um and first and foremost I want to say this is not a judgment um because we have all been beginners at some point we are all on our own journeys we're all on our own paths and at some point we had to start at the very beginning so do not let anyone make you feel bad about asking questions because no one is born um, the master of anything. We all have to learn things. So with that being said, um, a lot of the beginner questions that I get personally and also just that I see online in general are very much asking permission. Um, for example, it's like, am I allowed to do love spells? Am I allowed to hex someone? Uh, am I allowed to use moon water am i allowed to whatever and the thing with witchcraft is it is there is no monolith of witchcraft there is no council of the elder witches there's no governing body there's no universal authority that applies to all of witchcraft there just isn't that um witchcraft we've talked about before on this show is not a religion but not only is it not a religion it is a very, very, very broad term that encompasses many, many, many things. So there is no one right or wrong way to be a witch. There is no one right or wrong way to practice witchcraft. There are going to be things that someone does in their craft that might not be acceptable to you. And you might do things in your craft that might not be acceptable to someone else. So asking questions like that, um, it's, it's going to be hard to get an answer. And I've noticed online some of the responses to those kinds of questions are snarky. And I'm not saying that's okay, because again, beginners have to start somewhere. We have all been beginners at some point. So they shouldn't be discouraging you from asking questions. But with that being said, I can understand why some people might get a little bit impatient with those questions too. And I think this kind of attitude that we have, especially with beginners in the crafts where we're seeking permission to do things and we want validation to make sure we're doing something the correct way or 
to see if something is allowed, so to speak. I think a lot of that comes from Christianity because certainly not all of us, but many of us that came to witchcraft in general, or if you are religious, if you came to some sort of magical religion, uh, you know, heathenry, um, Wicca, for example, those are just two examples. But if we've come from Christianity um, or if we've come from some other sort of Abrahamic religion, I think we are ingrained with the attitude and with the mindset that God is waiting to punish us. And if we do something the wrong way, then we've sinned and we have to make sure we're not doing it bad anymore. But concepts like that and witchcrafts are not helpful. They're not helpful to the practice of witchcraft itself, but they're also not practical or helpful to your well-being spiritually and emotionally. So I would really encourage you to do as best you can to move away from this mindset of good, bad, uh, holy, sinful, etc. Um, just because it's going to help you have a better understanding of what magic is and how it works. That's also going to get you out of a pattern of thinking that is self-limiting and that is going to restrict you and hold you back. Okay. So, and again, just want to say like, I'm not trying to put anybody down for asking questions because I've, I've asked similar questions before myself and everyone is a beginner at some point. I'm just saying if someone gives you some sass and <laughs> uh, their response to a question like that, that probably is why. And that is kind of my suggestion for avoiding sounding that way. Now, with that being said, um, there are wrong ways to do magic. I know that might sound contradictory at first since I just said there's no right or wrong way, but let me explain. So it depends on your craft. So when I say that there's not a right or wrong way, I mean there is not one singular right or wrong way because the standards that we apply to ourselves in our practice do not apply universally to everyone. So for example, if someone messaged me asking if I thought love spells were ethical, I would say no. Um, I would say that they are not, they infringe upon the free will of people. Um, I would only ever do a love spell with the explicit knowledge and permission of both people involved. And even then I would be very cautious and very hesitant. So just because I personally think that way and don't really think love spells are great to do, that doesn't mean that it's morally wrong for every kind of person, every kind of witch to do a love spell. Does that make sense? So that was wrong for me in the sense it's wrong for my values and my practice, but that doesn't mean you can just say this is bad or wrong or immoral or whatever. Um, there's not really much in the realm of absolutes in witchcraft. It's a personal path and you have to decide for yourself what most aligns with your values, what most aligns with how you want to practice magic. And you have to align that with your morals. Um, that's, that's just how it works. And it's hard. It's hard to go that way because in other religions, you know, it's easy when these things are prescribed for you. So it's a lot harder to actually do the personal work and come to our own conclusions, but that's how it works. So um, let's move on to different topics. So again, in regard to beginners, so and again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being a beginner. I don't. I know that it's really popular right now on witchy places of the internet to kind of make beginners feel bad or stupid, and that's not okay. But 
Um, another beginner question is, how do I find a community? Um, people want to join a coven or other sort of group or meetup or circle or they or some whatever you want to call it, but a group to practice magic in or to learn ma about magic in. And specifically, this one person was asking if I live in an area um, that is, you know, maybe a little bit more rural, more conservative. I don't know how to find anybody. What do I do? And here's my advice. Um, first of all, know what you want. Know what type of group you are seeking. Are you seeking, um, for example, like a traditional Wiccan coven? In that place, there's very specific ways you can find that out. Um, if you go to Facebook, uh, there are Facebook groups for the Alexandrian and Gardnerian traditions of Wicca called Seekers and Initiates, and they have a listing of all of their verified coven leaders and kind of the general areas where they're located. And that's a great way to find something near you. That is how I found the group that I'm currently in. Um, and it's not completely uncommon for someone to travel uh, quite a long ways to find training in the coven too. I've known people that have driven across state lines. They've flown on airplanes. They've driven for hours and hours and hours. So if there's not one in your area, that's pretty common. Um, but just know that like, it's not unreasonable for someone to expect you to travel quite a ways if that's something that you're able to do. Um, of course, not everyone is seeking Wicca and not everyone is able to do that. So uh, online options are great. There are Facebook groups. Um, find, you know, search on Facebook, like witchy groups, pagan groups, magical groups, whatever, and find some that might have one in your area. You know, see if you're in the U.S., you know, find one in your state. And maybe it's not so far that you couldn't drive to it, you know, once every couple of weeks, once a month or whatever works for you. Or maybe it's even really close. You don't have to go that far. Um, another option are servers like Reddit and Discord. They have some great online magical communities where you can learn. Um, I will say if you're not learning in person, it can be a little bit more challenging to discern what is useful information and what is not. Um, but, you know, every method of doing this is going to have some pros and cons. So there are methods that are helpful in some situations, not in others. And you just have to be discerning in those situations. Um, Amino has some good stuff on their app as well. So another question uh, for beginners is, what are the basics? What should I read up on? What should I learn about in the beginning? So um, I would recommend learning the difference between witchcraft and Wicca. And I know if you've been listening to this show for a while, or if you have just been in like pagan circles for a while, you know already. <laughs> so it might seem like old news, but you would be surprised uh, how many people, especially new people, especially younger people, um, and especially online, how many of them still think that witchcraft and Wicca are synonyms, and they are not. And if you would like to go listen to, I believe it's either the second or third episode of Magic in the Moon, it addresses the differences between witchcraft and Wicca. Um, and because I'm Wiccan, personally, a lot of those themes kind of come up in other episodes. But I will reiterate it here, just for the sake of clarification. Witchcraft is a practice. It is the use of magic to achieve means to an end. It has been prevalent since basically the beginning of human culture. It's evident in pretty much every culture and every continent of the earth in some form or another. Um, anyone can be a witch. Anyone can be any religion and be a witch. Um, witchcraft is the doing 
of magic. Um, Wicca, on the other hand, is a religion. Some people don't care to call it a religion. They call it more a, a system or a way of life. But um, at least in the academic sense, it is categorized as a religion. And many people do consider it to be a religion. Um, it has specific deities. It has specific holidays and ritual practice. It has its own priesthood and traditions. Wicca is a religion. Um, so... It is a witchcraft-based religion. Witchcraft is essential to the practice of Wicca, but um, just because all Wiccans are witches does not mean that all witches are Wiccans. So I would encourage you, if you don't already, to research those differences between witchcraft and Wicca. Again, Magic in the Moon has resources on that. Um, but also, I would encourage you to learn about many magical traditions um, because it's not just Wicca or nothing. Um, Heathenry or Asatru is a religion. Uh, it's basically the reconstructed faith of Norse paganism. Uh, witchcraft isn't essential to it necessarily, but it does play a role. Um, a lot of the early pagan paths have elements of magic in them. Uh, so Kemeticism, which is the uh, reconstruction of Egyptian paganism, as well as Hellenism and Religio Romana, which are, of course, the pagan revivals of the ancient Greek and Roman faiths, respectively. Um, there's, of course, the African diaspora tradition, so Yoruba, um, Lokumi, Santaria, Hulu, Vodon, Cantomble, all of that stuff uh, involves magic in some way. Um, some of those are closed practices, do your research. But uh, all I'm saying, the point is just to research everything that's out there, because I think a lot of people, especially if they're new, um, it's easy to be misled to have the misconception that Wicca is all there is. And that is certainly not true. I think Wicca is great. Again, I'm I'm a Wiccan, but I don't think that it's perfect. And I don't think that it's for... Uh, I don't think it is what suits everyone's needs. So um, research and find what's out there. There's a lot. So another good thing I would encourage beginners to research is building up a good sense of what energy is and how to work with energy. So a lot of people want to dive right in and like cast really complicated spells um, or they want to, you know, do some kind of ritual and draw down a deity. And I'm not saying not to do those things. And I'm not even saying that they are bad to do, but I'm saying it's good to have a foundational knowledge of what magic actually is and how to work with magical energy. So I would recommend starting in the beginning with, meditation, how to ground yourself, um, how to cleanse your space, how to keep the energies you want in, how to get rid of the energies you don't want. Um, again, on Magic in the Moon, there are some great episodes about uh, protective magic. So cleansing, protecting, warding, banishing, all that stuff. Um, and I personally, because I'm so big on safety, I would really encourage everyone to know how to protect and banish before you call anything to you. Um, that's what I would suggest as well. Um, another question that I get a lot from beginners is if I recommend any YouTube channels. Um, and there are several YouTube channels I like that are witchy, but again, the extent to which that they will be relevant to you largely depends on their practice. So if I recommend, you know, Thorn Mooney to go watch her YouTube channel, well, if you're not Wiccan, you might not care about what she has to say. <laughs> so, um... I would recommend The Witch of Wanderlust. Uh, I believe she is an eclectic witch, as far as I know. Um, so I think a lot of her information is really helpful for anybody, regardless of the path they're on. 
but just witchcraft in general. She has a lot of great stuff about cleaning. I think she does a great job cleansing. Excuse me. Um, I think she has, does a great job of how to include magical practice in your everyday life. Great for beginners. Um, I think Mint Fairy is great. Um, her practice very heavily involves the Fae, and mine does not. But um, even if you don't work with the Fae extensively, she has some great tips uh, for everyone, especially for beginners and newcomers. And um, of course, if you are interested in traditional Wicca, I recommend Thorn Mooney. But I do understand that that is not necessarily um, relevant to everyone. Okay, moving on to the next part. So another question is, how do I start practicing um, if my parents don't know or wouldn't approve? So basically, how can you start practicing witchcraft if you live with someone that wouldn't be happy about it? So maybe your parents or other family members, maybe you have like um, a roommate that you live with that's very conservative and religious. Maybe you live on campus at like a Christian like university, something like that. So let's talk about that. First of all, safety. Um, on this show, I talk a lot about magical safety, but let's talk about actual just practical safety. So if you were in a situation where someone would negatively affect your physical safety or your mental well-being, my advice is don't practice. Um, I know that might be discouraging. But I know that that might not be what someone wants to hear, but that that is my advice. Unless you were in a situation where you can be safe, I suggest waiting. Uh, you know, read, you know, get books if you can do so discreetly, read things online, gain some knowledge, um, and just kind of hold off. Um, but if you feel like you can do so in a way that's safely, then yeah, go for it. Also, I think there's ways to do things that are discreet. Um, you know, I think there's this misconception sometimes that you have to have like this really big fancy altar. It has to have like dripping wax candles everywhere and skulls and like very obviously the aesthetic of witchcraft which is great i love the witchy aesthetic but that's not always um to everyone's taste and it's also not practical for some people that might still be in the broom closet so to speak so let's talk about a sneaky way you can set up an altar to where no one will even notice so just have some kind of table it doesn't need to be anything fancy it can just be like a little nightstand or bedside table right by your bed it can just be maybe a desk you have in your room or your dorm or something just something that's your personal space that people won't mess with that's just a flat stable surface so just whatever that is for you a desk a table a nightstand whatever um, a dresser doesn't really matter so if you wanted to incorporate um the goddess but you can't have like an obvious like statue of the goddess because that would be too obvious Remember, the goddess is all of nature. So flowers, seashells. Um, it doesn't even have to be like arranged in a witchy way. You can just put flowers in a vase. Boom. That's that's your depiction of the goddess. Um, they don't even have to be real flowers. You can go to the dollar store and get fake flowers for a dollar and put them on a vase on a shelf. And that can be an altar. Um you want to represent the god who represents change. And again, I'm, I'm speaking of the Wiccan deities here, but if that's not your thing, that's fine too. Um, but if you want to represent the god who represents change, the changing seasons, change it out seasonally. So, for example, right now it's summer. So if you want to represent the god, again, a seashell. Um, or if you wanted to just have something that felt like 
summertime, you know, um, maybe like a sunflower, um, some sort of image of the sun. It doesn't even have to be like religious looking or witchy. You just get like some image or something that has the sun on it. Um, a mug with some like sunshine, a little beach wave. Like you can get this stuff at Target, at Walmart, at, at probably anywhere on Amazon, at the dollar store, maybe even. There you go. Those are your DD representations. You want to represent the elements? Okay, earth. Salt might be a little weird. Just have like random salt or like dirt on a shelf. But um, you know what else represents the earth? Anything that's natural and of the earth. Have a plant. It doesn't need to be like belladonna and nightshade and like creepy witchy plants. Get a, a succulent from the store and put it on your nightstand or your dresser or whatever. Um, a, again, fake plant even because it's, it's a symbolic representation of the element. So you don't have to go like harvest a garden. You can get, you know, a fake plant from like five and below or something and put it on your shelf. You want to represent uh, fire, a candle. Um, I know sometimes if you live like in an apartment or like a dorm room, you can't have open flame. So get a fake candle, get an electric candle that you can just turn on and off. Um, get a wax warmer, get, um, or even just have a candle, but don't light it. That's fine. You're representing fire that way. Um, for water, glass of water. That's the least suspicious thing that you could do. Glass of water. Change it out every day as an offering. You have a glass of water on your altar. Boom. That's the water element. Air. Um, sometimes people use incense, but again, if you live in a situation where you can't have incense or you can't have like a flame candles or whatever, um, get something that represents the air, get a feather. Um, maybe if someone asks you about it, you can just say that you thought it was pretty, but if that's too suspicious or you don't have access to it or whatever, something with a picture of a bird on it, something with a picture of a butterfly on it. And it, it can be really simple. So like the specifics of it aren't particularly important, but um, that's what you can do. It's just really simple things and no one would even think anything of it, but you'll know that it was an altar, right? Okay. So we have time for a couple more questions. Another one says, um, how do I start doing rituals when I can't afford to buy that many supplies? And I've talked about this before, but it's been a long time ago. But if you go listen to, I think maybe episode two of magic in the moon, it talks about misconceptions about witchcraft. And one of them is that you don't have to have a bunch of stuff. Obviously, there's things that you can have that are helpful, like tools and things, um, but you don't need them to practice witchcraft. The magic comes from the earth and the universe and yourself. You don't need a bunch of like stuff. But um, if you are balling on a budget like I am, again, the dollar store is great. Um, the dollar store has candles. The dollar store has fake plants. The dollar store has matches and lighters. Um, if you want incense, there's like incense in packs of 50 for like a dollar at Walmart. Um, there's ways you can get things that are inexpensive. You don't have to use really trendy Etsy shops or go to these really expensive medical physical stores. You can, that's awesome, but you don't have to. Um, and when it comes down to it, you don't need anything other than yourself. All right. And then I always get asked a lot if I have any book recommendations. And again, this depends heavily on the kind of craft that you would like to practice. So I'm going to give some of my personal recommendations that I've enjoyed reading. 
but also for the sake of branching out and including people that are different than myself, I'm also going to try and give recommendations for other paths that I may not necessarily practice myself. So um, first of all, like my recommendations, um, bearing in mind that I practice traditional Wicca, um, I would recommend Traditional Wicca, A Seeker's Guide by Thorn Mooney. She is a uh, priestess in a tradition of traditional Wicca. Um, and her book is a really great introduction for those interested in British traditional witchcraft. Um, it will introduce you into like what initiatory coven-based Wicca is, how to join a coven, how to find a coven, and all of that stuff. And it's a great starting place. Um, for those of us that are more Wicca-leaning, but perhaps on the eclectic side, I would recommend Raymond Buckland's Big Blue Book. Um, and even if you're looking for traditional Wicca, it's a good book because it, it explains the foundations in a good way. Um, but it also kind of gives you some instructions on how to do things yourself without necessarily looking for a coven or a tradition if you don't want to do that or can't do that. Um, aside from that, I would recommend the Modern Witchcraft Spellbook. Um, it's great. I don't necessarily love everything in that book, but I think um, for the most part, it has some good information on spell work and raising energy. And then uh, if you're interested in Norse paganism or heathenry or asatru, uh, whatever you'd like to call it, um, the Norse Path is a great book um, that I would recommend. Um, if you're looking to um, Celtic stuff, I think um, the website for Ovid's Bards and Druids has a lot of information. That's really good. It kind of geared toward that um, kind of style of things. And those are really good ones, in my opinion. So that looks like that is about all the time we have for right now, but I hope that that dispelled some misconceptions that you might have. Um, I hope that it gave you some good resources and maybe answered some questions, and I will see you all next time.